The daily lectionary comments for July the 12th. We're going to look at uh, Gideon's victory over the Midianites in Judges chapter 7. And we're going to turn away from Acts and read through the book of Galatians, which will explore the issues that we dealt with in Acts chapter 15 in real and living terms. I hope you will enjoy this. And when we're done with the book of Galatians, we'll return to Acts where we left off. All right, Judges chapter 7. The whole business with Gideon began uh, with the invasion of the Midianites and their oppressing God's people. And so far, we haven't gotten to, uh, to what Gideon was actually called to do, and that is rid the land of the Midianite pestilence. But that's what's about to happen here. Now, the important thing to recognize in this passage is that the human element in this battle, including Gideon's own contribution, is very much minimized. In fact, you can see uh, right at the very beginning uh, that um, that Gideon had been successful in raising a fairly substantial army, about uh, 32,000 men. But in verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. The reason why they are too many is in the next phrase, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So this passage is to demonstrate once again, I mean, how many times the Lord had delivered his people in a way that the people could not possibly have done this, like crossing the, the, um, uh, the uh, Red Sea or, or things of that sort. I mean, so many battles where it is clear that the Lord is fighting for his people, the walls of Jericho falling down and all of that. But here uh, we have yet another example of God giving to Israel a victory in such a way that there's no doubt that it is God himself who is fighting for them. So uh, in, a, in a couple of, uh, of sort of carving out, you start with 32,000 and then you, you, you cut it down to 10,000. Uh, and then from 10,000, you cut it down to 300. And with 300 men, um, Gideon is to lead these people uh, to battle. And through them, uh, armed with pots and lamps, um, the Lord is going to grant them victory over this enormous Midianite army. Gideon is not shown to be such a great general and such a great leader that with 300 men he can accomplish this. In fact, the Lord says to him uh, in, uh, in verse 10, uh, but if you are afraid to go down, okay, if you're afraid to go down and fight, then how about if I let you listen in on what's going on uh, in the Midianite camp. And, and then once you hear them, and once you hear how I put your, the fear of you into their hearts, then you will realize that I'm about to, to deliver them over into your hand. And Gideon takes him up on this. Yeah, I am afraid. I'm going to go down there and listen. And once he hears a dream of one of the Midianite soldiers and how they're sure they're all about to be annihilated, um, then, only then, is Gideon ready to go. And then, of course, the real battle is this. The real battle is not Gideon and his army attacking. The real battle is throwing the Midianites into confusion so that they, in the middle of the night, surrounded with all this noise and sudden lights, um, they attack one another and, uh, and basically turns one Midianite soldier against another in the confusion and a mass uh, slaughter one Midianite against another, and then they flee. And so in this way... Uh, the, the Lord brings about a great victory for uh, for Midian or against Midian for uh, Gideon and Israel, while making it clear that it is not Gideon and it is not Israel, but it is the Lord their God who has fought this fight for them. All right, in our 
New Testament reading. We've just finished Acts chapter 15, the Apostolic Council, and now we've suddenly left the book of Acts, and we're going to read through the book of Galatians. And when we're done with Galatians, we're going to go back to the book of Acts right where we left off. I need to explain to you why. In order to do that, I need to give you a little bit of history about what's going on. The Apostolic Council was called because as more and more Gentiles were coming into the church, the issue of the relationship between the law of Moses and these new Gentile converts, or for that matter, anybody, Jew or Gentile, in the, in the Christian church had to be addressed. Did you have to accept the law of Moses if you were to be saved? Do you get that along with Christ, or is the new covenant kingdom of God something different? All right, well, so a controversy arose that had to be dealt with in Acts chapter 15. But that controversy was arriving in other places too. So Paul and Barnabas had planted certain churches during the first missionary journey, uh, Gentile churches in the region of, of uh, Galatia. And when the first missionary journey was done, of course, they were celebrating uh, the, the gains in the Gentile community um, and all that God had done there. Well, there was a party of, of Jewish Christians whose opinion was that you had to adopt the law of Moses if you were going to be a Christian. Paul calls them the circumcision party. He also sometimes calls them Judaizers. At any rate, these people were very active, and they apparently began to infiltrate some of these congregations that Paul and Barnabas had established in the first missionary journey. And they were troubling these congregations, essentially saying to them, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. Paul is telling you that you don't have to adopt the law of Moses, but he was wrong, and you do. And so they were teaching them that if, if you're a Gentile man, you had to be circumcised, for example, and you had to accept the rest of the law of Moses, and then you could be saved by Christ, but only then. So this caused a lot of problems in, the, in these new Gentile churches, and they didn't know what to make of this. Apparently, also, there was the strong suggestion that Paul was, number one, a people pleaser. He is teaching you these things because he figures that he'll get more of a hearing and more Gentiles will come into the kingdom if they weren't burdened with the, uh, uh, with the law of Moses. And secondly, uh, and insidiously, they were suggesting that Paul wasn't really an apostle. If he was an apostle, he was kind of a second string apostle. And so you're listening to this guy, but this is not from the big three, for example, Peter, James, and John. This isn't from the Jerusalem church. This is from Paul and Barnabas, and they're off doing their own thing. And Paul just is not to be believed entirely. All right. So that's the background. Um, the question is, was the book of Galatians, or it's a letter, it's not a book, the letter to Galatians written before or after the Apostolic Council? And probably it was written before. The, and the reason why... I uh, say that is because when, when we read through this letter, Paul nowhere refers to the Apostolic Council, even though the Apostolic Council is dealing with all the same issues that, uh, that Paul is going to be dealing with in Galatians. It would have been very natural for him to have said, oh, yes, and this was settled already by all of the apostles, including me uh, in, in our Apostolic Council. He never says that. So probably he wrote this letter first, then they convened in Jerusalem. Then the Apostolic Council was held. And of course, they produced a letter of their own that went out to the congregations. So uh, probably it was written very close in time, but probably just before the Apostolic Council. Now, Paul is very, very fierce in this letter. 
Um, to give you a sense for, uh, for this, uh, in all of the other uh, letters of Paul, they all follow a standard sort of protocol. He begins by saying, I, Paul, an apostle, etc., to uh, the churches in Ephesus, the churches uh, in Thessalonica, the churches in Corinth, or whatever, uh, and, and then something along the lines of grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father. It's sort of a formulaic beginning to uh, one of his letters. And then invariably, or shall I say almost invariably, the next section of a Pauline letter has a section of praise or thanksgiving to God for all the blessings of the gospel uh, in these churches to whom he is writing and in the world. And, and these are very flowery sections where he just extols the, the grace and wonder of God and the, the love and the faithfulness of the Christians. That is not, however, how Galatians begins. He begins in a formulaic way, more or less like you would expect. But verse 6 is where you would normally find, I thank my heavenly Father, uh, or I praise God who has bestowed all these blessings. Instead, Verse 6 begins, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and who want to distort the gospel of Christ. Okay, so he begins right away. This is a brutal, a, a blunt um, a beginning to his letter, and, and Paul is not going to pull uh, any punches here so he goes on uh having uh having begun that way he begins to defend himself he says uh, look at verse uh, 10 for am i now seeking the approval of man or of god now there he seems to be addressing the idea that he's a people pleaser he's preaching that way not because god commanded him to not because this is apostolic preaching but because he figures that he'll get more people in the pews if he preaches this way. And he follows that up by saying, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The next section, Paul is dealing with the issues to whether he is a, um, a real apostle or not. And here uh, you can go back and reread, for example, uh, chapters eight and chapter nine, particularly chapter nine of the book of Acts. And it will recount all of these things that he's talking about here, how he'd been a persecutor of the church, but very zealous um, uh, in his position among the Pharisees, and how Christ had come to him and by direct revelation of, of, of Jesus had, had uh, given him the gospel. He makes it very clear in his portrait here in Galatians that after he received this revelation, he didn't run straight to Jerusalem to get the imprimatur, so to speak, of Peter, James, and John. In fact, he went straight to preaching. And in fact, he's going to say, and we're going to get into this tomorrow, he never went to the apostles, Peter, James, and John, in order to get their blessing. There was a reason why he went, but it wasn't so that he could be sort of commissioned as a real apostle. As far as Paul's concerned, his commissioning as an apostle was by Christ himself. And so he's defending himself and the nature of his apostolic ministry is every bit as good as the ministry of Peter, James, and John. And uh, that's where we're going to stop today. And tomorrow we'll see how this uh, argument proceeds.